Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. God chooses his holy one. Chapter 16, verse 18. So each of these men prepared an incense burner, lit the fire, and placed incense on it. Now again, it's a narrative, so we get all into this, and it takes a little bit of time for them to prepare their burners. You have 250 men plus Korah and Dothan, and you have all these guys, and they're all, uh, Eliab, they're all getting together, and they're, they're, they're talking about, we're going to show Moses tomorrow. Pass me your, share some of your... It's a good thing we don't have steps up here. I fall over. They're all, they're all, they're all getting together that evening, and they're sharing their oil and their all their resources so that they can get together and they can, uh, you know, you know, we would we would never do this. Get together and talk about any leadership of any sort that is not doing what we want them to do. Uh, but they're getting together, and they're they're probably in Cora's tent, and um, they're really having Moses for dinner, you know talking about what he's a jerk who is he to tell us to show up we're gonna get your incense together get let's get the biggest wick possible I'm gonna set my flame on maximum I'm gonna smoke up the whole place with my little incense burner here tomorrow tomorrow it's going down then they all stood all right so each of them each of the men prepared an incense burner and they lit the fire and they placed incense on it then they all stood at the entrance of the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron meanwhile Korah had stirred up the entire community against Moses and Aaron and they all gathered at the tabernacle entrance here again Picture what's going on. All of Israel has gathered to watch what is going to happen. It is Moses and Aaron and all of Israel. It's not good. This is obviously not a democracy. All of Israel has gathered to watch what's going to happen. They have come to the tabernacle, to the entrance of the tabernacle. They're thinking, Israel is thinking. Because Korah has has organized this and he's spread his thoughts to everyone. So they think that they're coming to see God affirm Korah as their new leader. Moses and Aaron have only led us into the desert. We've barely had enough food and water. We're ready for new leadership. And Korah seems to be getting out in front and leading. So let's follow Korah. He's our man. Let's go to the tabernacle and we're going to see what God's going to do to Moses and Aaron for being such bad leaders. Then, I need a drum roll. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Now that should make your skin crawl. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, get away from Korah. Get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. Whoa, boy. Come on now. They're preaching. Kill them all, bunch of sinners. God is about to get rid of all these people. Now, seriously, just step back for a second. It's completely reasonable. It's reasonable. 
From the very moment that God sent Moses into Egypt, the Israelite people have been being difficult, very difficult. He delivered them from slavery. They complained. He offered them the promised land. They turned their nose up at it. Now they're rebelling against the leadership that God has given them to lead them. So I put in my notes, let's vote. Should God just wipe them out? Just kidding, don't do that because then it'll be condemnation on you because that's not where we're going, okay? But you understand the feeling, right? We're so, so justified in hating those who are wrong. Kill them, that's justice. It's how we feel. Lord forbid we be the ones in opposition to the almighty God. Verse 22. But Moses and Aaron fell face down. So God shows up and says, scoot over Moses and Aaron so I have room to just slaughter them all. And Moses and Aaron, they fall face down on the ground. These are some good guys. Oh God, they plead. You are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? And the Lord said to Moses, then tell all the people to get out of the way from the, get away, pardon me, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So Moses got up and he rushed over to the tents of Dathan uh, and Abiram, followed by the elders of Israel. Quick, he told the people, get away from the tents of these wicked men and don't touch anything that belongs to them. If you do, you will be destroyed for their sins. God's not going to destroy everyone. He's going to strategically destroy those who refuse to obey him. Those who refuse to obey him. It's just what the text says. Verse 27. So all the people stood back from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Dathan and Abiram came out. They were back in their tents when this happened. So Dathan and Abiram, they come out and stood at the entrances of their tents together with their wives and children and little ones. Are you picturing this? Now, I just, in my own mind, the way I see it is they, don't, they haven't seen what's happened with uh, Moses and, and Aaron. And God shows up in this presence and he says, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses and Aaron, they fall down on the ground and they say no. And, and so Dathan and Korah, they don't see all that's going on. Or Abiram, they don't see what's going on. So they come out in arrogance. Everybody's moved back and they're like, I'll show you guys. We are here. I have my little incense burner. I've been shining it all night long and God's going to be so pleased with myself. I'm so confident that God is on my side that I'm going to have my wife stand beside me and I'm going to have my children stand beside me and they've all got little babies in their arms. We're fine. We are going to stand in rebellion and arrogance. And Moses said, this is how you will know that the Lord has set me to do, has sent me to do all these things that I have done, for I have not done them on my own. If these men die a natural death, listen carefully, because this is cool what Moses does here. If these men die a natural death, or if nothing unusual happens, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord does something entirely new, like say the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them and all their belongings and they go down alive into the grave. 
something supernatural like that, then you will know. How many times have we heard that phrase in the Old Testament? Then you will know that these men have shown contempt for the Lord. Moses is, is giving them the benefit Uh, he's giving them all the benefit in this situation. Basically, he says, if we stand out here and nothing happens, which that's reasonable that nothing supernatural is going to happen because we're just standing out here. So nothing supernatural. The birds are going to fly. No big deal. Sun's going to shine. No big deal. If nothing supernatural happens, then Moses says, I'll take it on myself. I'm not God's man. But if something supernatural happens, then you know that I am God's man. Verse 31 He had hardly, he is Moses. Moses had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath them. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the men along with their households and all their followers who were standing with them and everything they owned. So they went down alive into the grave along with all their belongings. The earth closed over them and they all vanished from among the people of Israel. Verse 34, all the people around them fled when they heard their screams. The earth will swallow us too, they cried. Then fire blazed forth from the Lord and burned up the 250 men who were offering incense. I think that's supernatural. Just saying. Seems supernatural to me. God has spoken. He has chosen his holy one. In this story, it is Moses. But you understand that the Old Testament is always foreshadowing what's going to happen in the New Testament. Because in the story of salvation, there is only one who is holy, who can go behind the veil in the tabernacle to the holy of holies and offer incense and sacrifice on our behalf. Only one who is holy. Verse 36. And the Lord said to Moses, by the way, I think often we read through this and we're like, oh, the ground swallowed up uh, all these people. And we forget, we skip over, we just stop reading the part about God sends fire out from his presence and, and incinerates 250 of Korah's followers. Verse 36, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, to pull all the incense burners from the fire. Watch what happens. This is cool. Take the incense burners from the fire, for they are what? Holy. Also tell him to scatter the burning coals. Take the incense burners of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives and hammer the metal into a thin sheet to overlay the altar. Since these burners were used in the Lord's presence, that's kind of key. Since these burners were used in the Lord's presence, they have become holy. Let them serve as a warning to the people of Israel. So they go out and they gather these, these, uh, the metal from the incense burners of the rebellious people. They're going to overlay, they're going to mallet down and then they're going to make a, a, they're going to make it real thin. They're going to overlay the altar. It's going to be a warning to the, the people of Israel of what happens to rebellious people. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Verse 39, so Eliezer, the priest, collected the 250 bronze incense burners that had been used by the men who died in the fire. And the bronze was hammered into a thin sheet to overlay the altar. This would warn the Israelites that no unauthorized person, no one who was not a descendant of Aaron, should ever, ever enter the Lord's presence to burn incense. Because God does not just let anybody come into his presence. If anyone did, the same thing would happen to him as happened to Korah and his followers. So the Lord's instructions to Moses were carried out. God is teaching his people. There are things that God allows in his presence and there are things that God does not allow in his presence. Only the holy, that which is set aside and cleansed, in this case by fire, is allowed into the presence of the most holy God. Are you with me? Well, I just woke up this morning and decided I'm going to be in the presence of God. doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. God's instructions have consequences. It's kind of like the, the blue tassel tied to their robes in the first text that I read this morning. God doesn't want them to forget the importance of obeying him. Why? Because that gives us entrance into the holy of holies. It gets us, gives us entrance into God's presence. Problem is our desires, my desires get in the way of God's holiness. Keep messing it up. Number four, God's anger blazes. See, we're not even into the big part of the story yet. Verse, uh, verse 41, but the very next morning, the whole community, the very next morning, did you get the timeline? Yesterday, what happened? The earth opened up, swallowed a whole bunch of people, fire went out, killed 250 people. But the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began thanking Moses for being a great leader and praising God. The whole community of Israel began muttering again, again against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Dude, weren't you there? I mean, my wife tells me I don't listen. It's actually, I have a very short memory. And we see this in the text. Were they there? Yes. Did they see it? Yes. Were they terrified? Yes. 24 hours later, do they remember? No. Nope. You have killed the Lord's people, verse 42. As the community gathered to protest against Moses and Aaron, they turned toward the tabernacle and saw that the cloud, uh, saw the cloud had covered it and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared. Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle and the Lord said to Moses, get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them. Again, Go God. <laughs> but Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. And Moses said to Aaron, quick, Aaron, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. Set them apart, sanctify them, cleanse them with the incense. The Lord's anger is burning against them. The plague has already begun. Hurry, Aaron, go and run. 
Now, the symbolism here is that the smoke from the incense, it represents the presence of God, making the people holy. Remember the incense burners? They've been in the presence of God, so now we've got to go get them because now they've been made holy. Verse 47, Aaron did as Moses told him, and he ran out among the people, and the plague had already begun to strike people down. But Aaron burned the incense and, and purified the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died in the plague in addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah the previous day. Then, because the plague had stopped, Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tabernacle. Now, church, what do we learn from this? God could have wiped Israel out. Maybe he should have. God is justified in his anger toward Israel's rebellion. God is right to stand in the way of Israel's demanding their way, Israel demanding their desires, Israel demanding their will. God is right to demand, you will follow me. God is completely just to stand in the way of our will so that he can accomplish his own holiness in us. Do you follow that? God's mercy is he says, you're about to destroy yourself. I'm trying to stop you from destroying yourself if you'll listen to me. And if you're not going to listen to me, we'll do bigger things. We never said that as parents, right? We can easily see God's righteousness and mankind's rebellion in the stories of, the, of Israel. But we have a hard time seeing it in our own lives. God says to us, he says, be holy as I am holy. And we see it as, it's optional. Or, you know what, I'll be holy eventually, but not today because I need to go some tell some people some stuff. I need to go give a piece of my mind to some people. So, you know, we'll wait to be holy tomorrow. And today I'm just going to get my own way. I'm going to fulfill my desires. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then tomorrow I'll be holy. Jesus was pretty clear about this whenever he taught his disciples. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? But Brent, I have all these accomplishments that I need to make in my life because society says that I have to have a certain job, a certain education, uh, live in a certain house, drive a certain car, dress a certain way. I mean, society, all the community is saying, let's follow our own desires. So... If I'm going to do what the society wants me to do, then God, you're going to have to wait until, you know what, God, I'm going to wait until I'm an old person and then I'll follow you. 
Because then you have nothing else to do but be obedient to God, right? Watch it. I'm pushing, you know. I believe that the biggest danger in modern Christianity is our practical theology that is that has taken a narcissistic turn. Not it's not what we say we believe because there's never been a time in humanity where good theology is so available to us. Pull up any church's website, they're going to say, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach the salvation of Jesus Christ by his, his death on the cross, his resurrection on the third day. We believe on all these good things we say we believe. It's not what we say, it's how we live what we believe. It's our practical theology that's getting us tripped up. We say we give our lives to Christ, but then we live doing what we want. We say we surrender our will to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'll obey him another time. I need to do my own things right now. We say that we will give up our own way, as Jesus said. But then in practical reality, we refuse to follow the instructions of God and ask that God not only forgive us of our sins, but affirm and bless our rebellion. God, I'm not going to live for you today. It's going to screw up my life. And then tomorrow, I'm going to call Brent and Thomas and Chaz, and I'm going to say, will you guys pray for me? Because yesterday, I sinned like a crazy person, and today, my life's a total mess. Will you pray and ask God to bless me? Yeah. God and I have these conversations. I'm like, God, they asked me to ask you to bless them, but your word says that if they sin repeatedly, willfully, you're going to open up the earth and swallow them. So I just need to know where to put my lawn chair. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I make jokes, but I understand the heart of Moses. I do. I think it's in every pastor's heart. You don't want God's vengeance on your children, do you, as parents? You don't. I got to bring this back really quick. Shooting cough drop. It's all dramatic. It was a good point. We don't want people to be under God's judgment. So we read the scriptures. This is what we've done in Christianity. Now my hand's all sticky. We say, I don't want you to be under God's judgment. So what I'm going to do is instead of teaching about God's holiness and his judgment against rebellion against him, I'm going to say, you know what? God's a God of grace and love and peace and kindness so you can live like hell and he's going to bless you anyway. We prepare the landscape for people to think They are followers of God. While the glory of the presence of God is descending on the tabernacle and fire is about to come flaming forth and we go, oh no, it's okay, just stand still. God wouldn't wouldn't pour out his judgment on you. No. We trade my desire for his holiness. 
Jesus said, if, you, if any of you wants to be a follower, be my follower, you must give up your own way, give up your own desires, take up your cross and follow me. The Christian walk begins with giving up my desire for God's holiness. It's an amazing thing that God does in this is that we say, Lord, I'm going to stop living for myself. And he says, you know what? I will give you my absolute righteousness. I will take the righteousness of Christ. I'll put it on you and I will make you holy as I am holy. And you can come into the presence of God. I will make the choice to follow God and reject my own sinful nature and live in obedience to God. But as we grow, watch this, as we grow into fully devoted followers of Christ, as, we've, as we grow into the likeness of Christ, my desire truly is for God's holiness. I see the world in a different landscape. Instead of me wanting sinful things to gratify myself, I see things that I can do to bring glory to God and exalt his holiness. Does that make sense? This is not about me keeping the law. This is about me desiring God's holiness. Because I know through all of this, somebody here, because I can read minds, is thinking, well, does that mean we have to keep the whole law? No, 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 no. This is about pursuing God's holiness. I would risk my life for the glory of God. Jesus did. Jesus specifically abandoned his will for God's glory. Do you remember this? In the garden the night before Jesus is crucified, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus obeyed the Father even to death. But Brent, if somebody doesn't tell that person they're a driving moron, who's going to tell them? Follow God, even to denying yourself the gratification to telling people how ridiculous they are. I gave you this blue string this morning. I just, uh, it was kind of a, an idea that I had this week, and um, I thought it was kind of cool, and then my daughter informed me it's a friendship bracelet. Uh, I had a whole lot more meaning behind it than friendship bracelet. Did all of you get one of these? If you don't have one, raise your hand real high. Do we have any left? Oh, we ran out. Sorry for all of those who don't get a blue string this morning. It's rough. It's a simple reminder. Not only am I surrendering my desire for God's holiness, but every moment I must desire God's holiness in my life, that I will pursue it. This is not about a reminder to keep the Old Testament law. This is a reminder that I choose to honor and obey God's instructions so that his glory is present in my life. So I know I have, I have $30 invested in 100 little friendship bracelets, little blue strings that you can wear on your wrist. Wrist? I told... Uh, Greg, before service, sorry, Greg. Uh, he's got his long goatee. I'm like, he just put it in his goatee. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. If, if I had a goatee like that, I would do that. <laughs> we need a reminder, don't we? We need a reminder in that moment whenever our anger is raging at injustice. 
when our anger is raging or our sin is raising its ugly head because I don't, I don't think I'm the only person here every once in a while who has a moment of temptation and I, you know, I need a reminder that I'm living for the holiness of God, not my own sinful desires. I can't keep the Old Testament law. It's impossible. But through the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and because of Jesus' death on the cross and his blood that forgives me of my sin, I can live for his holiness. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, I thank you that we live on this side of the cross, this side that is filled with grace and mercy because of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let us think for a moment that you are a less holy God today than you were during the time of Numbers chapter 16. You still are absolutely a perfectly holy and righteous and just God. Father, we're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ that purifies us, makes us holy so that we can come into your presence. Lord, it's just a string, but this week I pray that as we wear them or as we put them on the mirror or whatever we do with them, tie them onto our jackets. Lord, I pray that you will use this string as a reminder that your Holy Spirit will speak into our hearts and be a reminder that you are a holy God and that we do not live for our own desires but we live for your holiness. We desire to live a life that resonates the, holy of the, the holiness of the God of heaven's armies. Father, we just want to glorify you with all that we are. We surrender ourselves to you. And Lord, when we're tempted to live on our own, I pray that you will bring us back to your righteousness. Impose your will on us so that we will live for your glory. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.